You're listening to Kiama Community Radio. This program is brought to you by Kiama Leagues Club, the modern, friendly heart of Kiama. Welcome to Around the Arena's Kiama Community Radio sports program, where you can regularly hear what's happening in sport across the region. This week I decided to dip back into our cricketing history and invited my favourite cricket historian, Bill Peters, to tell us about a game played where a player had his day in the sun. If you enjoy Bill's history reviews, you can find more by googling slashing through the cordon. In the days long before 2020 cricket had been formulated and turned into the dollar-driven, colour-laden machine that it is today, short of the South Coast was still prevalent, and during their time in existence they provided as much enjoyment and festivity as the marketable version does today. One event that was always enjoyable at its time was held and run by the Albion Park Cricket Club. In the late 1980s and early 1990s, the Albion Park Six-A-Side competition was held on a Sunday, generally in February each season. All clubs were encouraged to enter teams in the event, as well as clubs from outside of the South Coast District. Some even entered more than one. Games started at about 8am, both on Keith Gray Oval and on Albion Park Showground, now called Des King Oval. Teams filled six players, and games were played over five eight-ball overs per side. Each player, except the nominated wicketkeeper, had to bowl one over, with run-ups to be kept to a minimum of four metres, which were marked at each end while the five fielders tried to find the best spot to field where they would be most effective. Two matches would be played in tandem, with the first match having the first team bat, followed by the second match having the first team bat. The first match would then have its concluding innings, followed by the second match's conclusion. This kept the day moving with few interruptions and allowed the players to rest between innings. It was a great concept and a terrifically fun day to not only participate in, but to watch for players and spectators alike. Once the finals were reached, all games were moved up to the showground, where all players and spectators would congregate to watch the conclusion of the day. I couldn't tell you who won this competition over the years. By the end of the day, you were either too plastered to recall, if you were knocked out in the early rounds, or too buggered from chasing a ball around all day, if you happened to make it through to the final rounds. I know that Kaima had a team in for three consecutive years in the 1990s with a solid playing squad. Brett Gregory, Darren Gregory, Steve Norris... Jason Wills, Scott Dansman, Peter Nethercliffe, Steve Hulls, David Bright and your humble correspondents were just some of the players who were in the squad during those days. We entered because it was a fun way to enjoy our cricket after the serious nature of our first grade seasons at the time and we all enjoyed each other's company both on and off the field. We also wanted to win but the games were spectacular and it was fun times to be had. My favourite memory of the year Kaima made the semi-finals of the tournament only to be faced with a juggernaut. Sydney grade club Campbelltown had, in recent times, been drawing upon some of the best South Coast cricketers and bringing them to the Sydney competition to show their wares. Amongst them included Shane Lee, Kerry Penfold and Graham Smith, just to name a few. With a local flavour in the club, they had been encouraged to enter a team in that year's competition. They were obviously a team to beat. The team they had to beat to make the final? Kaima. Kaima had a good team that year, and by making the semi-final we thought we were a sneaky chance of taking out the title. Even when we were drawn against Campbelltown All-Stars, we still thought we might be a chance. Losing was never really an option when you had Gregory's and Norris's and Wills's in the team anyway. Campbelltown batted first and set a fairly tough target. Our reply stuttered upon the disciplined and well-drilled bowling, and victory seemed a long way off. 
Steve Norris was our second to last batsman, and when he came to the crease, Kyman needed a miracle. The talk had been animated before he was required, with plenty of helpful suggestions from batsmen who had already failed to produce the goods. KCC non-playing supporter John Sincotta had teased Steve with the promise of a case of beer if he could hit a six. It soon became obvious that Steve was going to be batting when Shane Lee, who had only just recently begun his first-class career with New South Wales, was bowling his over. This led to John doubling his offer if he could hit Shane Lee for six. Jason Wills' stumps went cartwheeling, and Steve strode to the crease. It was a marvellous sight, Steve with his blue shorts and his white cricket shirt hanging out untidily, his thigh guard wrapped loosely over his upper left leg, gloves being pulled on, his hat slightly cocked to the left. He asked for um, uh, for centre and checked his guard. He then looked to the left and then the right, checking where the sparse foolers had been placed. Then, with Shane standing just a metre behind the stumps uh, at the bowl at the top of his run-up, Steve raised his bat and in baseball fashion, he pointed towards Miss Midwicket, calling his shot. The crowd loved it, the theatricality of the moment defining the fun atmosphere of the contest. Shane ran in and obligingly dropped the ball short, and it rising up into his ribcage. But anyone who had seen Steve Norris bat knows that he is a compulsive puller. An instinct took over. As Shane and the Cameltown boys' eyes followed, Steve swung the ball high and handsome, well over the mid-wicket into the crowd, sitting in the bleachers. And they went wild. It was a perfect moment, one that captured the fun and enjoyment of the competition. And it cost John two cases of beer. No, he didn't pull off a miracle and win the game. But Steve's moment had defined how that form of the game was played, as a fun day where players from all clubs mixed on the field and socially off the field. It was a shame when the plug was pulled. It is the kind of event that sometimes I think could still work today, on so many levels. And in the days before widespread video cameras and camera phones were available, it is just the memories of moments like the day Steve Norris called his shot that remain. KCR, Kiama Community Radio.org. For the community, by the community. Ladies golf is certainly on the rise in our community. Recently, the Kiama Ladies won the gold and bronze Illawarra pennants competitions. This is a fabulous effort, and congratulations to the gold winners Rose Alexander, Jane Sherlow, Sue Hungerford, Annette Worth, Janelle Hoskins, Trish Swan. Gail Pottinger and Sharon Blake, and also congratulations to the bronze team members, Annette Hood, Kim McClintock, Christina Griffiths, Bronwyn Torrey, and Carol Limbury. You should all be very proud of your efforts. As I was made aware of these results, I couldn't help but think back to an interview I did some time ago with Elle Sandek, the new Kiama Club professional, where I asked her about ladies' golf at Kiama, and in particular, what I see as a real increase in popularity at the club. It would appear Kiama Ladies Golf will be strong well into the future. Here's a portion of what Elle and I spoke about. I was very lucky when I came here that we already had a very good foundation of ladies, but I put into place programs and clinics to really encourage ladies, and that, that has really helped. It's all about consistency. The second you stop, then they will stop, so you kind of have to keep the ball rolling at all times. But here at Kaim, we are very lucky. We have lots of ladies that are willing to help. So on Mondays and Fridays, they have like social games where newer ladies can come down and play. 
have the opportunity to meet some others and it just makes the environment a little bit more welcoming and not as scary because especially if you're starting golf at an older age it's a little bit daunting to meet new people and be that new one and not know what's happening so all, all those programs and clinics are in place to kind of help you get the ball rolling and that was a pun there, pun intended. <laughs> um, and learn to play golf, but also love golf. It's a, it's a great sport. Everywhere you go, there's a golf course. It's something you can do as a family. Um, anyone can play any age. There's no limit. KCR, Kiama Community Radio. In Rugby League on Saturday, a valiant 12-player Kiama under-18 side went down to the Mount Warrigal Coorys. The Knights led into the second half, but as fatigue set in, they couldn't hold out the strong finishing Mount Warrigal side. If any youngsters are looking for a game, Kiama under-18s are looking for players. In other matches, at Gerringong, Gerringong were too strong for Stingrays in first and reserve grade, while tackling didn't seem a priority, as in under-18s, Gerringong 38 defeated Stingrays 34. And at Shell Harbour, the Jamboree Superus continue on their winning way. I can't wait for a few weeks down the track when Gerringong takes on Jamboree. That's all I have time for this week, but if you want your sport to be part of the program, contact me at kcradiocontent at gmail.com. I'm Glenn Shepherd, and I hope to see you around one of our sporting arenas. You've been listening to Kiama Community Radio. The views, information or opinions expressed during this segment are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of Kiama Community Radio.